Thank you for listening to this message from Forward Ministries. We pray it blesses you, encourages you, and inspires grace in you today. You can visit us online at forwardministries.org. No matter what circumstance you're in the middle of, no matter what they have said to you, no matter what you have said to them, your reality is that this is temporary and my true self is literally maybe I should just take that out and I'll just say my true self is in Christ who is in God and spiritually we are in that place right now and if we can quit, if we can not think about it as a location, but think about it as our, just our identity, you know, you are, you're a Copeland. You're in the Copeland family. Where is that? Well, it's wherever you are. It's wherever members of your family are. That's us as the family of God. We are in Christ, in God. He is in us. And we are his family right now in this version of the earth that will change. It, it has no choice but to get better and reflect the total victory that he's already won over death, over sin, over sickness, over lack. That is really who you already are right now. It's just that we're using the wrong set of eyes to determine what's real. Like we're in between two realities, but there is one that's more real. And, you know, I'm not saying we need to try to figure out how to live over in heaven. No, we actually need to live in this place knowing what the real truth is. And when the writer of Hebrews goes through this whole, you know, dissertation of what he says and all the stuff that he says and helping people realize, okay, you remember all that old covenant system that we used to have that was only a shadow to set up to show you what it was supposed to really be like in eternity he boils it all down to this and the point is we have a high priest in heaven we have a high priest in God who has shed his blood on that eternal mercy seat that is a forever spiritual reflection and, and, and the, the actual origin of our righteousness. I mean, I just see that so clearly. His blood, his perfect blood is in that spiritual place and God sees it constantly. And in fact, every time God thinks of you, it goes through that place first. It is, it is, it is how he sees you. And we talked a little bit about, you know, the whole convicting and, and chastisement and all of that and that's up on the website, but I was going to move on, but I felt like he said go over the convicting thing a little bit more. See, the word convict, that it says that the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin, but for us as believers, he, it's the Holy Spirit telling us who we are, reminding us what God has said, showing us things to come, always bearing witness that we are his children. God is not convicting you because what does he have to convict you with? See, the word conviction is a legal term. 
and you have been delivered from the law for righteousness. In other words, what you do to be acceptable before God. There is no standard over you with which God can convict you with. The law has been removed from you. It's like the law of speeding. If you were not subject to the law of speeding and you would never get a ticket and you could go drive as fast as you wanted to on any road and they said, oh, hey, there's Tony. He's the one that's free from the law of speeding. We got to let him go. Now, if he drives too fast, he could have some problems, lose control. You know, there's still some recklessness that could happen even within that freedom. You understand? Yeah. And that's his choice. But there is nothing that can be imposed upon him because he's not under that law. That's where we are in Christ. There is nothing that God can hold against us because legally Jesus has taken the full penalty of the breaking of the covenant upon himself for those who are in him. Even for the whole world, but it becomes effectual for you as you put faith in that. Do you see that? It's more than just Jesus is your Savior. No, you have been declared innocent. And the law of double jeopardy applies in that you can never be tried, much less convicted, for your sin. Does that make you want to sin? That kind of makes you realize, wow. You know, there's, there's more going on to just this good idea that God has saved you. I mean, something legally has transacted, and because it's a spiritual transaction, it's eternal. And if, as your faith is in that, that's where you are before God. Man, I'm telling you, that's good news. That is the new covenant in that you are free. It's a new covenant that you've been engrafted into. It's not just that Jesus satisfied the penalty of breaking the old covenant, but due to his presentation of his own blood, you cannot be tried. He doesn't have anything to do it with. It's gone. So, and we get it backwards in church as if we need to tell people what they're doing wrong, you know. Man, the world knows abortion is wrong. Deep down in their hearts, they know. They know all of the issues that we have made church about these days where God really stands on that. Nobody has an excuse. God's been revealed to every man. I don't care. I don't care how strongly they say they don't believe. They know deep within their hearts. So our job is to declare his goodness, to declare this freedom, to show them, look, this is how God sees you. It's his goodness that draws people to repentance. I mean, I, I, that's the mission of this place. It becomes more and more and more and more clear. People like to send me. You know, people are paying attention to what's going on in these little walls right here. This whole community, the church community, knows what's going on in this place. And I hear things from people. People are sending people over here from other churches. And, 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 and it's ripe. This area is ripe to hear this message. And, and you just watch. It's going to keep going. And the difference is going to be we're not going to use the law to bring transformation because it's understood that the law is actually the strength of sin. The law was given to reveal sin. So not only does he not have, God doesn't have the legal right 
to use the law to convict you for your sin. And even if he did, all it does is make sin stronger in your life. 1 Corinthians 15, 56. Uh, the sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. I mean, think about that. The strength of sin is the law. What makes sin strong in your life is the law against you. But now that that has been removed, then what's given sin strength? If the, sin, if the strength of sin is the law, and he's removed the law from over your head, what is giving sin strength in your life? It's the expectation of judgment. It's the expectation of condemnation in our own minds, in our own hearts, because we ourselves feel guilty for what we've done. But the point of the last couple of weeks is that God is not interested in trying to make you feel bad about where you are. He knows that you should know better. He's removed the law from you so that he's not convicting you. Now it's up to you. What are you, what are you going to do with this freedom? Are you going to look to him and be transformed? Or are you going to use this freedom as an occasion to the flesh and carry on? And then say, well, I don't know why God is causing these things to happen and he makes me feel bad and he's guilting me and condemning me. And the, the church has done a poor job of representing how God treats his children on this side of the cross. And that's the point. So I've got some scripture and I'm going to give you one thing and then we'll, we'll move on. This is John 14, 16. This is your homework for this week. Go read these three chapters, John 14, 15, 16, 17. It's Jesus teaching about the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. A lot of times it's read from the perspective of law. But I say read these chapters from the perspective of relationship. Mm -hmm. And you'll actually get what he's trying to say. He's not showing, because it talks about keeping his commandments and things like that. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. The legalist would look at that and think it's about doing the right thing. But if you really look at what he's talking about, he's talking about the kind of relationship that we're going to have with him as a result of the Holy Spirit being poured out. So, he says in 14, and I'm setting up where he's going in 15 in talking about the vine being, or the branches being cast out. So that's where we're going, but I want to show you this first. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper uh, that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I'll come to you a little while longer and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live, you will also live. And that day you will know that I am in my father and you in me, and I in you. He's talking about at the resurrection. He, actually, at Pentecost, he's talking about when the Holy Spirit is poured out, we change. He, the Spirit of God, will live in us. We live in Him, and we all live in God. It's like this thing, you can't separate each other because we're so interconnected. It's like a marriage. That's, what, that's the context of what he's talking about when he goes into John 15. 
So John 15, verse 1, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Now, I'm going to read verse 11, because some of these verses might sound a little scary, but the point that Jesus is making is verse 11. These things I've spoken to you, that my joy remain in you, and that your joy may be full. All right? So what he's getting ready to say is supposed to produce joy in you. Remember that when he starts talking about casting away and burning up and all that stuff. So I'm telling you, man, the church gets this stuff backwards. Uh, So he's a comforter. He's a helper. He'll be in us. We'll be in him. and We'll all be in God. And then uh, verse 1, John 15. I'm the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. The vine dresser is the one who takes care of the garden. You know, the vine dresser is not an image of something that comes and rips branches off and throws them into the fire. The vine dresser is like a gardener comes in and tends the garden and to make sure the soil is right and everything's in the right conditions. That's God. That's the Holy Spirit. Every branch in me, remember, that's the context. I'll be in you. You'll be in me. We'll be in God. That's what he's talking about here. And he's specifically addressing the kind of relationship we'll have with God Once we're indwelt by the Spirit of God. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Okay? Interesting word, takes away. It actually means to raise up, elevate, lift up. That's the first definition. The second definition of takes away. I mean, what a poor translation, takes away. The second definition, and and this is straight out of Strong's Concordance. And some of this is out of uh, Thayer's Greek lexicon. Thayer's goes a little deeper than Strong's. But the second meaning to takes away is to take one's self and carry what has been raised up. So if you're in him and you don't bear fruit, he takes you away or he takes you upon himself and carries you. To bear away what has been raised. That's the third definition. So the picture is not he's waiting that if you don't bear fruit, he's going to cast you out. The picture is just like a gardener has a tree or what do you call it? Plant that needs to be taken care of. You, you stake them up, right? If, if they have issues, if they, they're, they're growing down onto the ground. I'm not a gardener, you can tell, but... The branches are growing down onto the ground. You better lift those things up. And what happens? They start to bear fruit again. That's the picture here. And he makes the distinction in me. If you read through 14, you get that picture. So every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he raises up and lifts up. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. And prunes means to cleanse and uh, of impurities. It actually also means, and this is in the, in the Thayer's, it means to remove admixture, to remove mixture. So if you're bearing fruit, God's going to continue to remove out of your heart where you've mixed the covenants to further establish your heart in grace. I mean, this is just a beautiful picture of a gardener taking care of a garden. We are the garden of God in this place. Now, you're the, you are now the garden of Eden <laughs> in this place. Your heart is that place where God comes and meets with you. 
So you are uh, so that so he prunes you, cleans you, so that you'll bear more fruit. You're already clean, which means pure, innocent, blameless, because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So just logically, it doesn't make sense to say, if you don't bear fruit, I'm going to cast you away, because later on he says, if you're not in me, you can't bear fruit. So why would he hold you responsible for bearing fruit if he's going to cast you away? You know what I'm saying? It's like, okay, you're supposed to bear fruit, but I'm going to throw you away, and you can't bear fruit over there, but you're supposed to bear fruit. It just doesn't make sense. Yep, that's common. So, verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, remember, I mean, notice it doesn't say if anyone does not bear fruit. It says if anyone does not abide in me. This phrase abide in me is a reference back to in 14 where he's talking about my spirit abiding in you, you abiding in me, and we all abiding in God together. Basically, this is just another way of saying if you're not a believer, if your faith is not toward God in the righteousness that Christ provides, if you're not born again, you're not abiding in him. The emphasis is where you abide, really not whether you're producing fruit or not. So he who abides in me and I in him bears much, uh, let's see, where was I? I'm the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me, I in him, bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. Now think about it. He's explaining a new kind of creature. He's explaining what it, the relationship is going to be like with God now that the Holy Spirit is available and lives in you. It's not like he's given a threat to if you don't produce fruit, you're going to go to hell. Or if you don't somehow mystically continue how to figure out to please me and well, let's call that abiding, then I'm going to cast you out. He's very clearly simply talking about whether you're born again or whether you're not born again. If you are, you're in me and you're going to bear fruit. If you're not in me, you are not and you will be separated from me. We make it more difficult, but this is the beginning where he's talking about this is what life is like being united with God. So he has to make it very clear. We've had 2,000 years of understanding what it means to be born again, so we want to complicate it. You, you know what I'm saying? When it should be very clear, he's just clearly talking about this is the kind of new kind of relationship. Verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask whatever you desire and it shall be done for you. Now that's a promise. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you'll be my disciples. As the Father loved me, and I have loved you, abide in my love. If you ever want to know how to abide, abide in his love for you. Become convinced of his love for you. First John 4 talks about that, that when you're confident in his love for you, that's the same promise. Whatever you ask will be done for you. So if you love me, keep my commandments. Here we go. You will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. What are his commandments? Love one another. Love God. Love people. Pretty simple. And believe on his name. So these things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. 
This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. And then John 16, 12, he says, I've, see, the reason we know that he's trying to keep it simple is because when he wants to say the complicated things, he's like this. He's like, mm, let me, let me, but you don't have the Holy Spirit yet, so let me keep it simple. I have things to say that you don't want to understand. Until the Holy Spirit lives in you, he'll bear witness of me. You know, so many times when we specifically look at the words of Jesus, it, it, it seems complicated because we don't understand. He's talking to a bunch of people that have no clue. Even the idea that the Holy Spirit is not going to be behind a veil for all eternity, but will in fact come out not ready to kill you, but live in you. To help you, to remind you what he told you to show you the future, show you things to come, to give you the kingdom. It is his good pleasure, literally, to give you the kingdom. God is not waiting for you to mess up, to cut you off and throw you away. If you mess up, he's not going to cut you off and throw you away. He's not itching to get into your life and point out where you've made mistakes so he can cast you into hell. No. If you read that for what it's actually talking about, he is so excited that he now lives in you that even when you mess up, even when you're not bearing fruit, he's going to raise you up and lift you up on himself and carry you. Do you see that? You know, for, for too long, the church has represented God from an old covenant perspective. And... This place is fiercely committed to representing God from a new covenant perspective. I hope to do it even more clearly. I hope those of you that are, this message is burning in your heart, that you, you're ready to step up and, and teach from this perspective as well. But this community and our country and the world needs to hear it. I mean, it, it just does. It's so clear who God really is as revealed through Jesus and if you understand the new covenant. But it's not being taught. But it's so simple to teach. And when it's taught, there's freedom and there's peace and there's healing and there's restoration and there's burdens lifted off and there's churches that aren't using and abusing people because it's, you're free to do whatever you want to do. Grace produces teaches you how to live godly. The pulpit should not be the place that dictates to you how you're supposed to make good choices, that makes you a better citizen, you know? I, I'm, I'm not trying to bash church. I'm just saying, if it's about how we're supposed to live more than who we are, you know, maybe it's a little off focus. And I think that's why churches are losing numbers. But man... Let's commit to carry this truth, set people free. Those of you, you probably have testimonies, you know. I know Lee was sharing, he's, he quit smoking 10 days now. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure, he's, I'm sure it's not easy, but you know what? I mean, I'm not going to, I don't want to speak for you, but, you know, other places, there may have even been guilt for even smoking in the first place, you know. It's like, you know what? People just make the right choices when you know you're free. 
I'm telling you, it's, it, in many ways, it's just started. It's just started for our area to hear this stuff. Uh, you know, we're going to be having a couple of things going on, and we're making some transitions, and they're all good. And next week, we're going to do a little bit of vision stuff. And don't worry, that doesn't mean that we're going to ask you for money. We, everybody knows churches need money. We got to pay the bills. Sometimes people talk, get weird about money. They say, well, I don't give because I don't have to give. Well, no, that's true. But don't you want to come to a church and not sweat because we have air and have lights and have bathrooms inside? Yeah. And oh, yeah, do work of the ministry in the community. I mean, that's why you give. You know, you have purpose attached to what is happening through this place. And we want to see it go forth. Amen.